So get this. If I'm correct, and I am correct, today's guest has spent over 30 years. Think about it. More than three decades inside one radio station, but not in one job. In many jobs, in fact, but there's more. Wait until you hear this person not on social media. Morning show talent, not on social media. Stand by. That's an ideal person, by the way, for us to talk to on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Are you ready? Listen. To enjoy any of our episodes, you only need to be interested in others, want to grab some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in radio right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. You need that, right? My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway. If you're in radio today, listen, you know that you're likely doing more than one, maybe even more than two jobs. You need something extra to help you. We're not consultants. Well, we are, but we're not. Let me explain. We are a multiplier that works with local radio to help people just like you grow more value for their time and their efforts in this business. The work we do is on both sides of the business. That means increasing the value of what you get from having us on your team. Do you want to grow more revenue? Are you positioned to collect the most revenue in your market? How can we help you? Programming and sales strategy and creating work culture that grows revenue and value. The great sports teams, they have excellent offenses and excellent defenses. By the way, it takes both to be a consistent winner. Our first consultation is free, and we are market exclusive for radio. Tell us your problems. We're listening, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. We're only about a minute, maybe less, away from talking with John Scott. Mornings, the big show with Robbie, John, and Katie programming 99.1 WQIK Jacksonville, Florida. We're going to get into all that, especially the multiple jobs. This one, then that one, and then this one, and then that one. You'll love this. See our full guest calendar all the way into May now. We, we schedule ahead of time. The reason we do that, we want you to see who's coming. We want you to get involved with the podcast. Of course, you can see that right now or anytime free in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. We don't lock away anything on our site the way some other uh, advisors, consultants, whatever do. So go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. John, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I always get just a little bit intimidated when I have talented morning show talent on because I know that you're I am, but I'm going to try to suck it up. Does that sound, that sounds fair, right? Yeah, let's yeah. all good, man. You're going to find me probably the, the most ego-free person you might have ever spoken to. Nice, nice. All right. So let's talk about you from the beginning. How did radio happen to you, John? I think I got it at an early age, like a lot of people did. Um, my dad used to just, I mean, I would, he'd be in the den on the floor, just listening to a big old channel master, 30 channel short wavy radio. And he just loved going up and down the dial. So I'm 62. So this is back in the sixties. And, and we would just sit there and, and listen to the radio together. And so I loved that. Whatever I did with my dad, I loved, you know, and 
So that was always in my mind that I loved hearing those voices come out of the radio. And I'd also fallen in love with music at the same time. So that's a beautiful combination. And so it was always in my head. I mean, even I remember uh, having 45s and walking up the intros to Point of the World by Three Dog Night. Um, so I had been doing radio, just not on the air. I'd been doing it in my room. But even when it got time to start thinking about a real job or going into a career, accounting came very easy to me. Oh, and so, yeah. And so, yeah, I took oh. the normal path. I'm going for an accounting degree. And then I and then I do that wonderful, easy segue right into radio. By the way, you, you never hear that in one of these interviews. So out of the hundred plus interviews we've done, we've never heard anybody go, well, you know, accounting. Kind of came easy to me, and that's why I'm in radio. So, <laughs> well, that that was the crazy part is that accounting did come incredibly easy to me. Radio did not come incredibly easy to me. Ask anybody at my high school, and um, they would probably be wondering, really, John, the guy who stammered a little bit, the guy who talked way too fast that you couldn't understand him. So, accounting came natural to me, but I didn't have a love for it. Radio was not really easy for me. But I loved it so much, I worked my butt off to get better at it. So there was a, a bit of a work ethic there that, that really made me want to go for it. And it was right then in the accounting, uh, accounting class. I remember sitting there. I went upstairs, and there was a radio station at the college that we were at this accounting contest. And I uh, went upstairs to kill some time while they were grading the test. And I looked and saw the guy in the booth. And I thought, yeah, I think this is it. I think I want to do radio. Now, I had been in high school. I had been... Uh, able to meet and uh, with Grease Man, the legendary Grease Man. You're kidding. Was. No, um, it was just crazy. I mean, I, I listened to him, of course, like anybody in Jacksonville did in the mid the late 70s. And so uh, my girlfriend at the time, her sister knew him and he, they knew him well enough that he on holidays, he would come over to my girlfriend's parents' house for the holidays because he lived right up the street from him. And so we, I sat there as a 19-year-old kid with Grease Man, and yeah. I used to write, par I've been writing parody songs all my life. And so somebody was, Helen, go ahead and sing one of your songs for Grease Man. And so I Are sang, this, I sang this parody I did. It was, uh, it was a Saturday Night Live, a Saturday Night Fever era. And so I always thought, what's the repercussions of dancing all night on Saturday night was um, uh, chafing your thighs instead of staying alive. Um, uh -huh. And so I wrote a whole song about Saturday night fever can be a bitch when you wake up with Sunday morning jock itch. So he thought that was funny yeah. to the point. He said, buddy, you got to call me. You got to call me and do that one. And I thought, oh, my gosh, really? So my heart pounding, I call the hotline at WAPE and sing a BG song, <laughs> sing chafing my thighs to the grease man. And he told me, buddy, you got the gift. You got the gift. So that was a bit of an emphasis. But even then, I still went on to college and was a, attempting accounting. And I think a combination of that night at the radio station and looking in and peering in and seeing the guy and the fact I had to take calculus three <laughs> for my next oh, class. Yeah. I thought, you know what? I'm thinking radio doesn't have any calculus three. So, you know, calculus is not an attractive. No, no. Not for radio people anyway. No, no, not at all. So, so listen, John, I, I have to ask this question. I have to go back for a minute because you're leaving a couple of things that are making me just it. Uh, number one, do you think you got on radio sort of to please your dad? Did your dad hear you? And then I want to ask you a question about the grease man because you have a unique opportunity to share some with us, but let's clear that dad ground first. The, the dad ground. Now, it was the thing, because when, when you're going for an accounting degree, it's always pleasing to the folks when you tell them you want to get radio. Well, well, it had to be great. 
Yeah, it was a wonderful conversation with my mom. She hit the she hit the proverbial mom roof. My dad was basically like, "That's what you're going to do anyway." Isn't it? And I think deep down, he always I think deep down he always wanted to be in radio. He was a salesman. He did a he was a wonderful dad and a wonderful salesman and an incredibly creative guy. Uh, with art, actually, with graphic arts and art. Uh, so his creativity went there. And he was always, they were both supportive. But my mom had to hit the roof first, of course, with the accounting. So it was with the blessings of my dad and then later on with the blessings of my mom. But at at first, uh, I think my dad was always on board with it. But he couldn't tell my mom he was on board with it. Yeah, listen, dude, your mom was just being a good human. Yes. <laughs> trying to slow your roll. So exactly. like, wait, don't you know about these accountant jobs? Come on. Up the, up the brakes. But it's funny. It goes back to Grease Man. At the same time, I'm thinking about getting into radio or I'm going to get in radio. Grease Man signed a, uh, he was making $125,000 working at APE per year. Yeah. Uh, starting accounting gigs were about 26. And so I thought, my mom, Grease Man, you know. So anyway, that yeah. that pay, that played a little bit into it. Little did I know nobody except him and Stern were making any money like that. So All right. All right. So let's talk about him for a minute. And only because some people listening will not know about Grease Man. Uh, that guy did not do a normal show. It was anything but normal. I remember I was 14 when I first heard him. He got on APE in uh, 1975. And I used to wake up to the dulcet tones of a guy named Larry Dixon, who had one, one of the greatest voices ever. He was a great voiceover guy. He went to Dallas and uh, a yeah. long career in Dallas. And then he was in the mornings at APE. And so you had Larry Dixon on. And then the next day you hear, oh, oh hopefully I'll get this right tomorrow. I hope they have me back here. And I'm like, who in the heck? What in the heck is that? And he did things I'd never, ever heard before and things I haven't heard since. He was That's unique right. in his own thing. I didn't know I hadn't moved and lived in other cities. All I knew was the shtick that Grease Man doing was, was he was doing was amazing. He would That's right. he would do three minute bits over the top of the theme from SWAT and would do bits about what it was like to be a lawman. Things you can't, of course, air now, but things that you might not should have aired then. Correct. And but the. The, the incredible talent it took for him to tell those stories. There, a lot of them are old jokes. It, there's long three-minute versions of an old joke that you've heard, but the fact he could do it the way he did it, it was in the presentation um, that he did. Now, he, would, okay, so, he was so risque, it wasn't even funny, but his double entendres slipped past the... Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so here's the real question about you and the Grease Man, okay? You're this young kid. You get a chance to meet him. You know you're going to meet him. Now you met him. What was your impression versus what you had already? Well, it was so funny. This is the, no, this is the magic of radio, right? You have this idea question. of what's coming. A question. And then I see, you know, he, he talked. I mean, because he he built he, he was he was what we if we could, if we still do radio well, he, he was doing it wonderfully. Then we're still we still should have pictures. We still should give pictures to our audience. God yes. knows the best thing we've got going for us. And the only thing that we beat everybody else on is the imagination. Yes. And he used it to the extreme. We still need to use it. I mean, that's what I would give anybody advice. Make sure you still talk with pictures and you paint a picture. It's so important. Uh, anytime you're telling a story. And he was the absolute greatest at it. And so he was just absolutely amazing. I couldn't say enough of how creative he was. And I always wanted to embed some of just at least a little parcel of what he did into if I ever got in radio, I wanted to be not that guy because you can't be that guy. But I wanted to have I wanted to have a little bit. Of, I, I remembered how I could see everything he talked about. And I wanted to be able to do that. Yeah, it's like I want that that influence to be a part of what I make mm -hmm. in radio. 
So listen, when you got into the radio business, did you have a goal? I want to know, did you want to become a PD or do mornings or become a general manager or a market manager? What was happening in your head other than not no, I accounting? Just, I just wanted to be sorry. I just wanted to be on next week or the next night. That was that was my long range goals. Good. Make it to my next shift. And and then I would be ecstatic that I was on the radio again. And then my next shift, I was just as ecstatic. And I'm not telling I'm not fooling Lloyd. Thirty three years later. I'm really ecstatic about being able to work tomorrow morning. Yeah. I've never lost the passion. I've never lost the passion of wanting to create or wanting to just talk and communicate and, and, and be just be a little amplified version of myself to people. And I'm really an introvert, really introverted, which you might find a lot of people in radio might be. I am incredibly introverted. I love being in that room with nobody or with a couple of extra people and just sitting there pretending. Um, Oh, basically thinking that you're putting on a little show here for each other. And then you have no clue how many people. Because you are. That's absolutely what you're doing. I think sometimes that's missed by people. The experience of radio, you know, you talked about it as we should paint these pictures, of course. And, and, and I think radio has gotten a little bit away from giving people experiences. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, you know what, um, Things are overrated. Experiences, not so much. Amen. You ask the whole new, I mean, our, our demographic, I mean, I know things are crazy as far as accuracy, but our demographic right now is strong. 18, I mean, we're number 125, 54, thank God. 1834, we're even stronger. And, mm -hmm. and with the morning show. And I think part of it is that we are giving them something they, they, don't, they, get, they don't get from social media. They don't get from looking at their phone 18 hours. They get communication. They get a chance to just daydream. And not be slugged over the face with um, with images. They can create their own images. They don't, don't have to watch somebody in drag dancing on TikTok. They get to create their own images. That is so powerful, especially for radio. We own that. We own their imagination, and we should never let it go. And that's why when people want to start doing things live and um, showing, hey, make sure why don't y'all get on the air? It's like no, because we're just sitting there talking. And why don't we? Why don't we let them use their imagination and not see us sitting around a room talking? Because, boy, that ruins the whole magic to me. Interesting. And we're going to bring that up again because that's going to come back in this interview because we're going to talk about the social thing. I want to ask this question. Yes. What makes Jacksonville unique? And what do people usually misunderstand about that market when they first move to town from somewhere else? Usually, they think um, the whole world revolves around the beach. Mm. And it, it does not revolve around the beach um it's so it's so interesting that's where the that's where the new program director wants to go is said hey guys can we uh, why don't we go up and down third street and we can i was like well yeah if you want to miss 99.1 percent of your audience let's do that um so that's the one misconception beach is beautiful the beach is wonderful and we use it every so often uh but we're not constants down there uh that's what well, let's talk is. about use your too. let's talk about your experience and, and put some Put some thump to this, okay? You've been at WQIK for more than 30 years. Is that right? How many exactly, John? 33. Um, I was 34 in October. So, yeah, 1989 is when I started. All right. So, so listen, in, in spite of that, in spite of being in one place, in spite of being in one place this long, you've had many jobs inside this building. By my count, at least afternoons, music director, program director and mornings. Why has this happened, John? What <laughs> have you always been interested in these different roles? What what goes on? No, they were just there. They were just there. The um 
started full-time at nights, doing nights. And then I went to afternoons. Kevin Matheny, the late great Kevin. Oh, yeah. Kevin Matheny was my program director and hired me full-time and really thought, thought the world of me. He was a, um, he was a great guy to have in your corner back then. And he, um, he was, uh, he was something for me. He was really nice to me. And, um, I've heard other horror stories, but he was always incredibly nice to me. And, um, I went to afternoons, did afternoons. Then I did middays for a short period of time. And then the morning show opened. And they said, hey, you want to go to mornings? It's like, I hate waking up that early. What are you, crazy? And they said, well, this is where we need you. I was like, well, it's where I'm going to go. And so I did that. Now, concurrently, I'm the music director from 95 to, to whenever, 18 or something. So I've been music director this whole time while doing all the different shifts. Um, did mornings for a short time, went back to afternoons because one of the big, big, big bosses, uh, they were making some morning show changes. But one of my big, big bosses thought, I, she, she thinks I'm the best afternoon guy she's ever heard. And so I went back to afternoons for a while. Then they wanted to make another change in the morning. So since 2012, early 2012, I've been back on the morning show all the same time. So I've done all of that all the same time doing music director. And then I stepped in for program director when somebody didn't work out. And so I said, well, I'll be glad to do it, but don't expect a lot. And, and I told them, I said, really, when you find somebody, let me know. And I, because I couldn't, I know other people and God bless their stamina. Uh, for being able to do a morning show and then program and be there till five o'clock in the afternoon at my age or whatever it was. It's only a few years ago. I did this that I, I wasn't cut out for that. And no, I this is, this isn't, no, no, this is an IQ thing. I always would tell my friends, if you see that I've taken a job as a morning show, talent, it, it, I always tell people, if you see, I've taken a job as a morning show talent and program director, know that things are not going well. <laughs> right you yeah know, somebody has that's two big in. jobs yeah they yeah. are they are and and we maintained but i wasn't giving 100 percent to both because i didn't have that in me i just didn't and i told them i was like really as soon as this as soon as something else can happen let's make this happen i'm going to do the best i can and i and we were doing fine yeah well well listen john i, I want to talk um, to you i'm glad they made the changes and said hey why don't you concentrate on the morning show yeah I want to talk to you about that radio station, QIK. That radio station has been very consistently successful for a long, 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 long time. What has been the key to that success for WQIK? I think consistency. Consistency of the product on air. The consistency of of, uh, the gatekeepers that we have and have had. They all come in knowing that QIK is Jacksonville Station. And we're just, we're just the guys who have the keys right now. It's their station. We're just, we just happen to have to keep our watch on it and make sure it's the best thing it can be. QIK and country music have been synonymous since 54 in Jacksonville. Wow. Um, in the 50s on the AM, and then it moved to uh, 1964. It signed on at 99.1. So <clears throat> it's been country, and that's Jacksonville, and everybody else comes to town tries to do country and they're fine they're great radio stations and great people but um even though if you're 21 years old you still know qik is the station that is the station but that is from those from the listeners who have made it their station and have told their children that's our station it's not us telling you that's your station because usually as you know in radio people try to run away from anything the word old uh you don't want to be 75 years of great country music you don't want to be that guy because everybody thinks oh you're going to run off the young people well, whatever. I think they're all 
always wrong about young people anyway, but that's a different story. Um, but with QIK, I think that has been something that's been passed down uh, from generations. And heck, we've doubled, we couldn't, we doubled in, in a population in the last uh, 50 years. So brand new people coming to town, we got to earn, we got to earn their trust without any hint of, you know, dad passed it down to me. But I think the fact is we're very consistent with, um, very consistent, very clean. They, mm-hmm. people know here in, in Jacksonville, People know you can turn on QIK and you're not going to have something that you have to explain to your seven-year-old. And if you do, um, I mean, we, we go the same way Disney goes PG or they might have some kind of reference that'll raise an eyebrow to an adult. That's as far as we go. And that's as far as I remember. I know from when I remember one time, this is almost there about five or six years. And I had a caller come on and was telling me, you know, I was giving a traffic report and he told me, called and said, Hey, man, I'm going, I'm going 75 over the full Orange bridge. Everything's clear. I said, well, first, what the hell are you doing going 75 on the full horn? You know, and uh, and then I did something else about two breaks later. I might have said the word damn. And then I got a call from a guy. He goes, wow, you're really loose with your lips this afternoon. And I thought, wow, <laughs> they really they really mean it. They really know that they don't have to they don't have to even hear that on our station. And I was just reading an old billboard magazine because I'm that geeky of a guy from the late 70s talking about country radio, not playing songs that had the word hell and damn in them. We got plenty to choose from. We don't have to choose any of that, that raunchy stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, in country radio, I think a lot of that, um, a lot of that has been lost with pop programmers coming over. And um, yes, but but QIK has never had that. Kevin Matheny was was uh, not a pop, not he was a pop programmer. Really? Are before, you saying that that's true today? I think there's a part of it in Jacksonville. Yeah, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I think there's a part of it. There's something about it in Jacksonville, and I think our morning show, the stability part of it, has been that we've all been there forever, but. Uh, except Katie, she's brand new and she's wonderful. But I think yeah. there's there's something to be said about the fact is that you can listen with the whole family. Mm. Now, look, this seems to be as good a time as any to bring something up that we found fascinating at the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. As you may know, we do a little research on our guests in advance. And, uh, oh, yes, by the way, guess what we use to do that? We use social media and uh, you ain't on it. So... <laughs> That's kind of a first thing for us because we can find the trail for anybody. But then there's John Scott and it's like, dude, we couldn't find a picture. So what gives with you and the social media? I, I, I got on it at first when it first started with Facebook and, um, and I didn't find the ugliness of it. I just found the addictiveness of it. And I thought, I don't need this in my life. They weren't pouring it on us. I was doing it just to spy on my daughter when she was in college. And so uh, that's the only reason I first got on it, like 06, like a year after it came out. And uh, I found myself on it a lot. And I thought, I don't don't need this in my life. I got many more productive things to do. And so um, I just, I got off it when, you know, she blocked me or whatever. Anyway. and uh, Says they will do. Yeah, as they tend to do. And so um, years later, when they started pushing toward, hey, why don't you guys, you know, tweet and Instagram and Facebook and let's make sure we do Facebook. There was a funny thing that had, um, it was a story, radio story. Tim Tebow had been trained. And Tim Tebow's from Jacksonville. So when Tim Tebow was in his height of Tim Tebow-ness, he was at the Broncos and he had been traded to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Well, the word broke in the hallway. Hey, Tim Tebow got traded to the Jets. Everybody, everybody's going, who's going to get it on Facebook? Who's going to do it on this? Who's going to do it on this? 
And I thought, here's a novel idea. Who's going to do it on the air? That was the last thing they thought about. And and so I thought they have they got their priorities mixed up because, of course, that is where, you know, the, the growth of the money is going to be in radio. They knew it. And so they started trying to get on, involved. My personal beef is the more I got into it, the more I saw, the more I read about it. And I didn't go looking to find the demon. It was very obvious to me. Yes. And uh, great research by a guy named Jonathan Haidt. Um, incredible research. He was a Harvard researcher and showed combination of the iPhone, social media, teen suicides, teen depression, um, divisiveness in this culture all stemmed, you know, it all happened at the same time. And it's, he basically, he says social media is the reason for it. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't like the addictive nature and I could totally get the divisiveness. It didn't take a certain president to bring that. That was already happening. That just kind yeah, of trained right. it. It was before then. I mean, it happened at the same time thing. iPhone showed up and then I saw the social dilemma on Netflix. And if you haven't seen that, that's incredible. And they had these people on from Facebook and Net and Instagram who said, yeah, I'm the guy who invented the like button. I didn't know what harm it would cause. Um, all of them regretting the decisions they made in social media because they all admitted to saying, yeah, we were, meant, we were there because division helps us. We get more clicks when we have division. I was like, I think that's the last thing we need as a people. And so I told everybody involved at the radio station, hey, um, we're going to need your social media numbers. And I was like, well, these are easy. You have zero because I'm not on it. And if I have a problem, if I'm not going to get an endorsement because of it, so be it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't try to be a jerk about it. I, and I, uh, I participate in the WQIK Instagram page. So I'm in a bunch of videos that Katie and them do. I never see them and don't really care to. And I'm glad if they're entertaining, then, then that's great. But I really hate for people to want to go to our Instagram page because I'm on it, because I think that would lead them to, you know, more <laughs> distractions that they need. So that's the main that's the main thing. I just I just don't find it to be uh, good for society. So, John, the devil is always really kind of slick and cool, isn't he? Isn't, the, isn't that it? The devil's always kind of slick and cool. Oh, yes. Always. Yeah. yeah. Always. All right. And so look, let's let's talk about this. What makes a great morning show, in your opinion? Uh, I think everybody just being themselves, because I've heard so many different morning shows. I've heard so many different morning shows. They're all, and they're all, I mean, from Lex and Terry at the goodness that they did, or how, as good as they were, never my cup of tea, but I could go, yeah. I get what they do and they do, a, they do a great job. That's what any kind mm -hmm. of, you know, shock kind of morning show Stern involved, Stern included back in his heyday. Um, and it was them doing themselves really well. Now, I think the other thing, if you're doing a morning show team, if you have more than even, you know, a, a duo, if you have two or three people, especially with a, a big crowd, it goes back to, I played, I played music and I've been in bands most of my life. And, and just like that, you always want to play within yourself. You always want to, you always want to be able to hear everybody else. And that's the phrase to play within yourself as a band. You never want to just be all about you because then you screw up the whole band. And yeah. when you play with, when you play within yourself and you're able to hear each other, it works so well for a band, you're much tighter. And then I just kind of took that idea to a morning show and just remember to listen to each other instead of thinking, what funny quip am I going to say at the end of this? I get, I hope to get better every day at that because I know when I first got back, I mean, you know, when you first got that first chemistry with two people and you're trying to find your place. And so when I first went to the morning show again in, in 11, it was Robbie and then we had uh, Tony uh, Fox on and trying to find my way between those two 
was a, you know, it was interesting. So I think I found my slot pretty well, but it was all about listening. And you can tell when the other participants, when it wasn't going well, because they weren't listening. This is such a good conversation. Listening to each other. And that's where the conversation yeah, goes. So to me, it is. It's conversation, which which means talking and listening, which in radio, most people just think it means. Uh, John, I was just telling people that we are having an audio challenge, uh, which we don't ordinarily have uh, doing this. But for whatever reason, uh, we are having that challenge right now. So I'm, I'm having to address it a little bit. Um, I, I was going to say this is such a great and intuitive conversation. Not just for people who are on the air, by the way, but also for salespeople, you know, that that being attentive and and learning active listening skills, that's a big deal to have active listening skills. Listen, you've seen a lot of industry changes within the radio business in the last 33 years. You've been at that one radio station. What has been a change, the best change that you've seen in your opinion? Because everybody likes to talk about the negative. Let's talk about a positive. What's a good change that you've seen, John? I really think technology, I think technology has helped us so much. Um, if Unless you really think it, it was it was really fun making sure you hit the next album or CD or cart and then had to hit every cart after during the stop set. When you talk mechanically, I think that was without a doubt. I, I find, I mean, I used to love the feel, the craft of, of segueing a song perfectly when you got two pieces of vinyl playing back to back and you say it and you segued it wonderful. That's a great craft, but that's one for you. It's the, the listener might, the one out of the 2000 might think it's good, but I think the technology of able to concentrate on doing what you do. Your job is not to hit the cart button, play the spot. Your job is to communicate. And so to be able to focus on the communication, uh, I think that with technology being able to play all the music and play all the commercials and all you have to do is talk, I think that's done wonders. I think going from real and real tape, and I'm old enough to have had to cut <laughs> tape for an, a, a request show, and then the oh, yes. Vox Pro came, I, I used to kiss the Vox Pro every day when I got the word. Nice. Don't say that you can't have a good relationship with yeah. the Vox Pro, right? But those were the things. I mean, mainly it came to the, when it came to digital, I think that was the main that's the main thing. And really, I'll tell you one thing. This might be this might be against the grain for some people. But voice tracking? Yes. I will tell you that I I became a better job because of voice tracking. My energy commitment stayed when I was pouring through an afternoon in 45 to 50 minutes. My energy stayed. My brevity was better because that I was kind of going from one break to the next and going, okay, this is where I talk about the new album. Okay. And you're just so in the, in the groove of things. Yes. I think, I think it's, I think you can be better on the air tracking. And once again, older school people will think I'm an idiot for that, but I've done them both. And I, I used to track middays at a rock station in Macon, Georgia, while I was, you know, working the afternoons, QIK and did nights on a country station in Charleston and found myself being a better jock when I was voice tracking because concentration mainly, you don't have all, you don't have the 12 minutes in between talk breaks to get distracted by the phone or get distracted by some other guy in the studio or you just looking at a billboard magazine or, you know, you know how we tend to wonder we're all pretty ADHD and radio. Uh, I think the concentration of voice tracking uh, can help you in this. Yes. Listen, I uh, always want to make my point to this. There's good voice tracking. 
and bad voice tracking. So, you know, I mean, it's okay to slide that in there and say, hey, this is the new technology. New technology is not all bad. It's also good. Listen, I want to have a little fun with you on the creativity end of things. I hear that you write songs, but I want to know two things about this songwriting. Number one, what kind of songs do do you generally write? That's a serious question. And number two, how is that different from parody songs, please? Hmm. I write all kinds. I've written rock songs and country songs, Christian music. I've been in Christian. I was in Christian bands most of the most of this century and um, wrote about 100 Christian and more like Christian rock songs, not like gospel stuff, but more like Third Day and Chris Tomlin kind of worship stuff. And um, so I've written a bunch of those, but I, and I wrote, I've still write a lot of country music and just write country songs. And so that's mostly it. And, and with uh, just anything that pops in my head and kind of try to work it out. Um, I don't do it as much as I used to because concentrating for a morning show on the radio, thankfully, sucks out a lot of creativity. And mm. so you're kind of worn out from your day, your day job, which is really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't get to turn the faucet on much as far as songwriting. And when I do, I try to concentrate on doing something that I can use for the morning show. So that's where the parody songs come in. So when I get it, like anything inspiring for um, an original song, a regular song, is um, just the same thing. You know, just like if you've been in radio forever, your antenna are always up. Yes. And you're listening to other conversations. You're in line at at the grocery store and you hear what people are talking about because that's how we are. And you hear somebody say something and I think, wow, that's a country song. You know, and those things happen. Um, I remember somebody was telling somebody was telling somebody else's story and I just happened to be in the room and they told the story that they were at a, a support group for people who had lost their parents young. Mm. Um, and, th- and this lady had lost her mom. Uh, it's been about it had been about a year. So she still went to the support group and 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 she was telling somebody else. And she said, you know, the one thing I heard today that really is going to help me. That, that one person said today, someday, today's going to be a long, long time ago. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a country song that there ever was. And today is going to be a long, someday today will be a long, long time ago. And I thought, man, that's that's just that's country music gold right there. So I literally ended up writing that song in about 20 minutes because I had the inspirational part. I've had other inspirations of songs that would give me a line and then I'll try to craft around the line. And that happens a lot. Sometimes full songs come to you. And it said, so there really is no way, shape, or form. And I, I don't really co-write with anyone. Uh, and I know that's mm. a craft in itself, like the people in Nashville. just an amazing craft. Amazing. Um, because anytime I've sent something to Nashville, they go, you wrote this by yourself? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's just how I am. And uh, because they talk about the collaborative, pro- the collaborative process being so integral up in It's Nashville. such a big part of that town. Yes, it is. And... I've met the guys who are songwriters, and I had a friend who worked for a record label who was a songwriter as well, and he was on Glen Campbell Publishing, and he would tell me stories. And when he came down, and we wrote a few songs together. And anybody up in Nashville who I'd sent my songs to a few people, and they all said these are great songs. And I go, Oh my gosh, I'm moving to Nashville, but give me the song. Right. And they said, But these aren't hits. And I thought, Oh, and that's all, and that's all they're looking for. Yeah, right. Great songs are great. That's wonderful. That's not going to feed the family. You need hit records. That's what they're after. And they say, that's what we do in Nashville. We take your great song and we make it a hit. Well, this is a, there's a reason that Scott Morchetta named his and so record I think, label. Oh, if, you know, if I was younger or if something had happened, this is what? I'm sorry. I, I, it's the audio change between the two of us. I don't know why that's happening right now, but 
I was going to say, this is part of the reason that somebody like Scott Borchetta named his record label Big Machine. <laughs> Nashville was, is, a, it's a machine. There's a machine mentality to it. There is, for, the, for better or worse, you know, for that. Yes. And so anyway, when it comes to writing a regular song, that comes in with an inspiration and you kind of try to run with it. Now, when it comes to writing a parody song, it's the same thing, but you have a specific, you know what you're going to write about because that's why you're writing a parody. You're taking a situation or you're taking an artist or something has happened where everybody will find something funny in this story. First, it's got to be big enough. It's got to be a big enough story that everybody knows about it. So if you're singing some song with new words, they have to get it. Uh, mine tend to be recently uh, about the Jaguars because they're one of the few universal things in Jacksonville. Yes. And especially when we do well or do really poorly, which we've done both in the last couple of years. And so we go on a playoff run and I think to myself, man, you need a song. So I do, I do hone in. What can I write? And I start thinking more about it. And then one little piece of inspiration happens, something you just, you know, you'd read as much as you can. And then the next thing you know, something's going to pop. And thankfully, I'm just so thankful that my brain sometimes works and I'm able to get a song like that. And then I do appreciate the notoriety of that. Even though I'm not a glory hog, when, you, when ESPN calls and said, hey, can we use that song? I go, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, right. So we've been on, ESPN, we on, been on ESPN a couple of times. Uh, they did an article on ESPN.com about us. Uh, and the local stations have done a few when we've done things either for the Jaguars or for some civic uh, silliness that was happening. And so, those are the ones that have gotten the most recognition from anything I've done have been the parody songs that have made it on national TV or national radio. And uh, now, wait a minute, it's just John. a cool moment that people appreciate. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. This is this goes under the heading of experiences. Give people experiences on the radio of something they can't get somewhere else. Right. Right. Yeah. That's OK. That's so. So, look, I, I only have two more questions. I'm going to put them together, even though they don't go together because we're having this audio challenge and I. I, I could do another hour with you because it's so fascinating. Your answers are really good, but I'm going to put these two together and then I'm going to let you kind of take us through it. Uh, question number one, are you writing a book? Question number two, our toughest question is our last question. Naturally, you're not off the hook here. Uh, nobody knows the future, but I want you to tell us what you see as the future of radio from your perspective. So that's the last two questions. Uh, yes, I have. I have written a book. It's just a matter of either publishing. I wrote a book on on Jacksonville music history and what a rich oh. music history Jacksonville has. And I thought when I first started started thinking about doing this, I thought I'll probably get 40, 45 maybe artists that I just kind of knew and accumulated through my life. Well, I ended up with 130 something, you know, and it's crazy. And that means made national prominence one way, shape or form. So yeah. that was a, that's been a great labor of love. And we found so many artists songwriters, some who lived in Jacksonville a short time, some who were born and raised. So anyway, that became a book. Uh, but after I wrote it and I sent little script, uh, drafts to my sisters to read and friends, um, and especially my sisters, because they're older than I am, um, they said, oh yeah, open YouTube and listen to some of the artists that I didn't know. And I thought, wait a minute, music should be heard. Uh, it's like, what was the Elvis Costello line? Uh, writing about music's like dancing about architecture. And, mm. uh, and so I thought, I need to make this an audio book or an audio a YouTube video or something. And so that's what I'm aiming to do right now. I think I'm going to put it together where you can hear the songs and YouTube's a good place to do it. I mean, they demonetize you, but I'm not in it for the money. But Well, you could do a digital book, John. Um, I think that's the aim of what I'm doing because reading about it is one thing. 
hearing it makes it so much better. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm writing that. And I'm writing a book on the cyclical nature of country music's popularity. And that mm. was that was wonderful. That was <laughs> that was uh, incredible research to do. I did enjoy yes. the school out of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always there's always something percolating in my head one way, shape or form. Uh, nice. Just ask my wife. <laughs> Yeah, right. So tell us about the future of the radio business, your perspective, sir. Now, we're going to be communicating one-on-one. I don't know I don't know the technology. I don't know if it's going to be in this room, in this back bedroom. Uh, it already is in many places. That might be where it does. It might be what we're doing right now. That's right. Uh, it might emanate on FM airwaves, or it might not. The sticks are so, they're so expensive. Um, I know the people who own them would like to make them still viable. And I think in the, for, the, for my lifetime, they, it will be. I mean, we're still at 90%, 91% that people listen to radio on a weekly basis. And I know it might be five minutes or whatever. That's still a huge dang number. And I think that we're going to, uh, it might start lessening its grip. But then every time we put, we ring the death knell for radio, we've been ringing the death knell for radio since talking movies came out. We always find a way to adjust. Imagine we if we found... stop doing that, John, and start touting radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. How about that? How do, how about that? That's a good idea. How about we quit uh, trying to be somebody else? I remember when they came out in the early 2000s, and I'll, it was a clear channel executive order that less is more. And they meant you don't even, you don't spend more than seven or eight seconds what you get out of that song. Or you don't say more than Paul letters coming into a song here or there. We thought it was the most idiotic thing we had ever heard, and we didn't do it. But I know a lot of people did. John, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't working for your company at that time. But I'm going to tell you, less is never more. Less is never more. Never has been, never will be. Amen. So because that's how radio felt. They always, radio's had an insecurity problem since talking movies. And and they've always felt they were always threatened because somebody's ready to knock them off the top. And, and I just think, man, you just be radio. Keep getting those word pictures. Keep communicating. Keep being compelling in a way that you're going to make people not... You want to make them sit in a parking lot. You want them to be late for work. You want them to call somebody and go, you're not going to believe what they said. Did you hear them this morning? Be good enough and people will still do that. Yes. We started just giving it up. We started firing people. We started making people do 12 shifts because, oh, well, whatever. All we, you know, we're, just trying to, we're just trying to sell digital anyway. Wow, that's, that's sad. But mm -hmm. somehow, WQIK, after all these years, are still putting it together. And in the morning show, because I can, I can help control that. That we're going to keep bringing what we think people like. So far, they still do like it. We've 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 raised our average listener, uh, the numbers of our our cum and our average listener. It's it's gone up, and and that's when you think maybe we're doing something right, or at least we're doing something that our listeners enjoy. And that's all we're there for. We're not there to make Nashville like us, and we're not there to make our corporate bosses like us or anybody, but our listener. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my things. I always my running joke when um, people talked about songs and the people from Nashville, you know, we're trying to get songs played. And, and all I'm hearing from the other program directors are like, nah, yeah, I'm not going to, we're not going to play that, or we're not going to do this. And you hear this consensus on these people. And I look at research and I, and research of actual listeners. And I, I was like, wow, it's testing. Well, oh my gosh, the only people who like the song are the listeners. What are we going to do? That's what should be obvious, right? We got to concentrate on the entire time. It ain't us. I remember, be I remember becoming music director in the nineties. I was, I was pushing the Mavericks. I was telling country, our listeners, you're going to love the Mavericks. And they said, no, not really. And I had to back up and go, oh, that's right. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You're not here for my taste. John, I want to thank you for being our guest today. 
Thank you, Lloyd. That was uh, it was so fun. I've never talked about myself before. So that was pretty fun. Well, look, I'm so grateful that you did. Listen, get more free resources to help your sellers anytime with our encouraging sales success series inside the free blog at rainmakerpathway.com anytime. We're here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Did you hear that? Here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Remember, if you know someone you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me right away, F-O-R-D at rainmakerpathway.com. Hope you have a great week. Like we always say, on Rain, at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. You don't understand what I mean by that. Please call me up. I'd be glad to have that conversation with you. We want to thank our special guest for this podcast episode, John Scott Mornings, The Big Show with Robbie, John, and Katie, 99.1 QIK, Jacksonville, Florida, for being our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available in minutes after we stop talking. And of course, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio and radio. Subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. And please remember, be kind than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers, and good night.